0: Welcome to Equal Parts, a series of true love stories told by the couples themselves. We've arrived at the last episode of this season and of the whole series. I really hope you've enjoyed listening. If you have, please leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts or rate Equal Parts on Spotify. I'll say a little more about wrapping the show at the end of this episode. But for now, let's get into this final, beautiful story. Today's tale is perhaps a perfect compromise between the arguments of fate and choice when it comes to love. Maybe the circumstances that put Linz and Zabib in the same area at the same time were fate, but saying, what the heck, on your final night in town, that's a choice. Maybe finding somebody with your favourite poetry inscribed on their body is fate, but following that person across the country, another choice. Well... Whether predetermined or a series of decisions, Lynn's and Zabib's story has a little magic, a little jeopardy, and a lot of romance.
1: My name is Zabib. I'm Lynn McLeod. I'm a writer and an editor, and I live in Edinburgh in Scotland. I moved actually during the pandemic. I was living in New York for about 10 years, and I'm a psychiatrist. Um, but when I'm not doing psychiatry and seeing patients, I'm writing fiction mostly which is something uh and i have in common so that's what we spend all of our time doing (laughs) we've been together for three and a bit
2: years i actually have some sort of app where it tracks it and i looked at it the other day uh to make sure i wasn't missing any milestones but where are we off but it was something like over 1100
1: days which is cute she's um just so loving, just so full of love, so generous um, with what she offers to me and to everyone around her. Uh, extremely intelligent, and that's something that's drawn me to her. Just in terms of her ability to like think about the world critically and to bring inventiveness and all of these amazing skills to her writing. She is very funny. Um, very chaotic sometimes. She's a ball of energy. She's very passionate about the things that she's interested in. She's fun. Uh, she's someone who's interested in like learning about the world and experiencing the world, um, living in the moment. She can be silly. She can be serious. Um, she's just a wonderfully confident, but gentle, loving person. And she's always really kind and generous
2: with her time and energy as well. She's also a wonderful writer.
1: I mean, I think for everyone, it's been a really crazy time of transition and upheaval in the last few years, but then also just the time I was in my life, I was 30. And literally the night we met was the night before I was gonna graduate residency, psychiatry residency. So I was just kind of on a lots of thresholds. So having just spent like nine or 10 years in New York, um, I think I was at a moment where I was more looking for like a relationship than I ever had been before. I had come out of
2: a relationship um the previous year and I had dated a little bit, but I just wasn't really clicking with anybody so much and I just wasn't really happy with how that was going and I had kind of come to the conclusion that maybe I would just stop dating for a while of course the universe has that it is like oh really you think so um and my career had started uh, kind of taking off I'd got into the writer's hotel uh, I was about three quarters of the way through my master's at that point so I kind of felt maybe this is a, a good point in my life where I can you know, put that personal stuff aside, just really focus on my career. I was feeling pretty happy with where that was going.
1: When I met Lynn's, I hadn't been in like a serious like relationship with a woman before. So it was, I think, really important that I was at that stage in my life where like I kind of opened up to that. I opened up to just being more like emotionally available. So that for me has been like a journey of, understanding intimacy and learning to share my life with someone in like a different way than I had in the past. So I think I've evolved a lot in that way.
2: I think there's always a, a natural might of change as you kind of you you are two separate rocks that kind of rub together and become smooth as the friction wears away. So I think we we have learned to, you know, communicate better and we've grown as we've Uh, spent more and more time with each other and I think we definitely had to be prepared to do that because we were so long distance um, for for quite a long time and during COVID as well. So I was at the Writers Hotel uh, conference so I had never been to America and I went alone. I was really excited um, and surprisingly not nervous, maybe just because I was so exhausted. It didn't occur to me to be nervous, but I was really excited to go and to meet you know, new people. Um, and I'd always wanted to go to New York. It's somewhere that my mother loves. She's been several times. And I was particularly excited to go to the Natural History Museum because I'm a big geek. It
1: was beginning of summer in New York and I was like, I'm on the dating scene. (laughs) Um, I had been doing that for some number of months, and was just kind of feeling like, oh gosh, I'm not like making many connections with people. Um, You know, it's just New York; it's craziness dating in New York. So, yeah, I was just kind of finding it sometimes fun, but not really finding that like kind of connection, right? And not even expecting it anymore. So, when I had first landed. I had Bumble on my phone. And I
2: remember I turned on my phone and uh, I almost immediately had a match. It just kind of flashed up the notification. I thought, who the hell is matching me? (laughs) I just, I just landed. What is going on? At first, I didn't realize
1: she didn't live in New York. I looked at her profile and I thought, wow, she's really pretty. Someone really cool and, and pretty and, oh, this is interesting. And then turned out she lived in Scotland and she was actually in New York for a like writing conference sort of program over a week. So that was like initially disappointing but then I thought like hey you know what she's down to potentially meet up we'll just we'll have fun we'll get to go on a date. So my profile was sort of just randomly put together it's like some random pictures and i had a friend write the the description because i was just like i hate this so this friend had asked me like oh, what do you like to do i was like right so she's like you should say write me a poem period and that's it and i thought okay
2: well a little demanding maybe not a lot of information not not your height not your interests not your name um just write me a poem and I thought "Mm, you're pretty enough that you can get away with demanding that but I don't know if I'm going to do that let's let's leave it for a while Um, and then uh, I had got quite drunk with my new course mates and strange confidence came upon me and I thought I will write you a poem
1: <laughs> and
2: it'll be the best poem
1: that you have ever seen on this app. And I will impress you. And you will going to date with me. So of course you get interesting responses to that, but Linz had actually opened with like a clever poem, you know, just like a few lines introducing herself. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So that's how the, the discussion began. So I was like, well, I, I'd love to meet this girl.
2: <laughs> I didn't realize that Zabib had, um, photographic evidence of this poem but she did and recently she was performing at a storytelling event and one of the stories was loosely it was a fantastical thing but it was loosely based on on our relationship and by the end of it she said you know I, I just want to thank you know my lovely fiance who's in the audience and pointed at me and I thought that's okay I can deal with a moment of embarrassment and so I kind of said okay you know yay well done and she was like yeah and you know I still have that poem and I thought oh I didn't know that and then she read it out on stage to my chagrin and horror and it was really worse than I'd remember (laughs) it was really a bad poem um I blame the alcohol I'm I think I'm an okay poet but I wasn't at that point um I think some of it rhymed as well it was oh dear Basically, by the time that we had agreed to go on a
1: date, it was actually going to be my last night in New York. We were having trouble scheduling it because we were so busy. So we finally settled. on the last night she was in New York, and I was about to graduate the next morning. All of my conference friends at that point had gone home. I was pretty much the only
2: person who was still in New York. And I thought, I really want to do something on my last day. You know, I I want to make the most of it. So I went to the Met and I got lost twice in European sculptures. In my defense, it's a very big museum, but also I've grown up around European sculptures. Everything begins to look the same after a while. And the security guard was sort of gently kind of like, okay, I will actually show you the exit because you are a poor bumbling tourist and cannot figure out how <laughs> to leave a building. And I may have overdone it a bit because I was already very tired after a week of of having about five hours sleep and and partying every night and getting up at like seven every morning to uh go to this um hotel and and really focus on a lot of writing and craft and part of me thought maybe maybe I should cancel I am very tired and and I thought you know no why not I there was a bar I wanted to go back to this bar and I thought you know like I, I should make more of an effort you know she seems very nice and she did say that she had um been in Scotland before and loved it so, you know, why not? We hadn't really interacted much. It was very much a kind of, hi, hello, do you want to go out? And I was like, okay, yes,
1: sure, I do. She had found this, like, really cool bar in, I think, like, West Village. All these lights, super, you know, I think it, it may have been a gay bar. And um, I show up just a few minutes late. As is my want. I arrived there slightly early. She was there, uh, I think, like, looking at something on her phone and, and laughing at it. <laughs> One of the friends that I had made in my group at the
2: conference had said, you know, I write this blog. Uh, It's kind of a comedy blog. And it's funny that you're going on a date tonight. I went on a really terrible date. I wrote about it in my blog. I'm going to send it to you. And while I was a little bit early, I got a message saying I'm running late, which I would later find out was kind of a thing. (laughs) So I was like, oh, well, you know, I have a few minutes to kill. I'll just read this blog. It turns out my friend was hilarious. The date that she had gone on was so bad and and so well-written, really, but very, very ridiculous that I was crying with laughter, which from my point of view was fine because, you know, I was just reading something. It was very funny. I I actually do like tear up quite often when I'm laughing. Um, But from Zabib's point of view, when she walked in, she was late. She'd never met me before. She walked in and I was sitting at a table looking at my phone and crying. That may not have been a great first impression. And in hindsight,
1: that probably didn't look good. I was very pleasantly surprised that I met her just because it just was an immediate sort of spark. My first thought was, oh,
2: you've done the opposite of catfishing and that's not fair. You're so much prettier than your pictures.
1: And the conversation just flowed from the beginning, which, you know, you don't always find It just felt as if we had already known each other for
2: a really long time. And the conversation was just very easy. She was
1: interested in the things that I was saying in a very genuine way. It was just an amazing date. You know, we had a few drinks. We were talking about our lives and about what she was doing with writing. I found her very fascinating.
2: There were a number of points uh, during the next three cocktails that I just kept thinking wow you know I hadn't expected to meet anyone that I was this I don't remember if I've ever been that interested in anyone like immediately it was just yeah kind of like being hit by lightning a little bit but very
1: very pleasant lightning I think and at one point I saw the small tattoo she had on her arm um, that had a line of poetry from Robert Frost so she was explaining it to me that it was uh, Robert Frostline, line, but like in the handwriting of Jane Austen. So I was just like, oh, my God, I love both of them. I love Jane Austen. i had been telling people that all week because obviously people had seen it at
2: performances that we'd done and and, and throughout the groups and things. But no one had responded with anything other than like, oh, that's nice. And
1: instead, Zubib said, oh, that's amazing. And also, I have a line of poetry on my back and a tattoo um, by Walt Whitman. And at that moment, I thought, wow, okay,
2: yep, yeah. yep, yeah, I'm really sold on this girl. I'm so sold. That's that's annoying because I'm going to leave. <laughs> um, why do you have
1: to be completely perfect? Hours passed, and, and she was showing me some of her writing, and we were just talking, and yeah, we just absolutely hit it off. At one point, she asked
2: if she could read some of my poetry and remember that I was alone in this country um, the hostel which was like a prison cell that I was staying in because I was too poor to to afford anything good in Manhattan um, was not far away but my sense of direction wasn't quite good yet so my phone was the only thing that I had that could link me to it but I and I never would normally give someone my phone and then wander off but I just said, yeah, I'm going to go to the bathroom here's my phone, read some poetry and just wandered off and left her and I, I didn't even think twice about it I immediately trusted her um, if she had taken it, I would have been utterly scared but I came back and she was gushing about my poetry and very flattering She said, shall we go back to yours? and I said, no, I have a prison cell <laughs> And I tried to explain what it looked like.
1: And she was like, What well, do you want to come back to mine? And I said, Yeah, okay. So the next morning, when we woke up, you know, we were like, Okay, well, you have to go catch a flight. <laughs> it was like 6 a.m. or something. And she had asked me, I'm actually not leaving the United States. Um, I'm going to Denver to see my best friend. Like, do you want to visit? And I was like, Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really know how
2: far away Denver was from New York because my geography, as we would find out later, is just woeful. Like, I don't really know where anything is. So I didn't really know what I was asking, I think. I was kind of like, oh, you could come. And in my head, I thought, oh, how far is it really? And she said, well, maybe I will. And I said, well, maybe you should.
1: So first date part two, or I guess our second date, was um, I just, I decided I was going to fly to Denver and see her there. Um, And I don't know if she actually expected me to show up. I didn't have her like number or anything. I just had her email, but I, I did. I did just show up.
2: So my friend picked me up from the airport. It was something like three in the morning and we got in the car and she said, you know, how are you? And I said, yeah, I'm great. I just had this amazing date last night with this girl and, you know, I, I hope it's OK with you. I invited her just for a couple of days if she wanted to come. And my friend driving at 3 a.m. was like, Linz, <laughs> nobody is going to fly four and a half hours across the country on the basis of one day. I don't care how good it was. And I said,
1: yeah, OK, let's see. Let's see who's right here. I remember discussing it with my roommate at the time who I'd lived with for like four years and my brother. They were both just like, oh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, that's, that's crazy. You're going all the way to Denver.
2: And she said, what does she look like? And I said, like, you know, you ever seen Flashdance? <laughs> and my friend was like, yeah. I'm like, like a young Jennifer Beale. She's like, okay, young Jennifer Beale is not going to fly four and a half hours across the country for you. You met once. That's not going to happen. People don't do that. I was like, first of all,
1: I'd like to go to Denver. And she's awesome and I'm free. So like, there's just really no reason not to. I ended up, our second date was a, a weekend in Denver, hanging out with her best friend. And that was amazing too. When the taxi pulled up, I
2: opened the door and what a feeling was just blasting out of the house. I don't actually think to be picked up on it at
1: the time, but I was like, please don't notice that that's what's happening. We spent time in Denver, we went in the mountains, we were hanging out, um, getting to know each other better. And then at the end of our time together, um, you know, should to actually fly back to Scotland now. And, you know, I remember kind of going back and forth and discussing it. But then I did email her after we said goodbye in the airport saying, like, uh, had an amazing time. Like, I don't want this to end. Do you want to see where it goes? Um, and at that point, I did do a little dance in the security queue. And I said, yeah, I, I would I would like to see how that goes. That evolved into our long distance relationship we
2: emailed each other every day and we frequently spoke on video and at one point I sent her something which my friends refer to as a girlfriend box which I meant as a care package uh, but which in hindsight was just really softy which was like chocolates like special chocolates because American chocolate is complete trash Uh, so I thought know, she needs something good I think there was some tea in there and I had found this really cute notebook that I knew she would love. And I had also handwritten a really
1: pretty decent poem. So this is just a recording so you can't see it, but I'm showing you a bookmark, a like metallic bookmark. So this was something she had engraved and gave to me a few months into our relationship when she was visiting and we went back to that bar, even though it was like, I don't know, however many months um, maybe like five month anniversary or something. And it says it's the, I think latitude and longitude maybe of that bar. Um, And then our journey started when you walked in yours indefinitely Lynn's. And then she has some E.E. Cummings poetry on the back. So that's what she gave me um, when we went back to that bar she had just
2: graduated she actually graduated the next morning after our first day uh, which I didn't know and she was still doing her boards and I was still trying to finish my my master's uh, thesis portion Um, so we were both really busy but there were times where we would come on video at like lunchtime because obviously that was kind of 1 p.m my time would have been like um, 8 a.m hers and We would say hi and we would kind of chat while she had some tea or I had some lunch. And then we would just stay on video for the next six hours and sometimes not even speak because she was studying for her boards. And I was trying to write this thing. But just knowing that she was there in the background was really nice.
1: During the pandemic, we were separated for seven months. So we didn't get to see each other at all for seven months. So we only could video chat. Um, So that was really Interesting to see how we navigated that because it was actually like okay. Um, I mean, obviously, if we had started out knowing for sure it would be seven months that would have been very overwhelming, that was amazing to see how we navigated that. So had always been really interested in the
2: masters that I was doing, and I remember standing on a a subway platform with her on one of my my trips to new york and and I remember she said something like you know, I, I'm really jealous, like, I wish I could do that. And I said, why don't you? I mean, I know you just graduated and, and but, you know, a lot of your peers take a, a year out to do something else or, or they do some other degree or whatever. And, you know, you're really good. Like I had read some of her work, um, her creative nonfiction, and there was a tremendous amount of talent and potential there. And I said, you know, why don't, why don't you check it out and see if there's masters that you're interested in? And so she had a look and, um, She was interested in the the one at Edinburgh. So she worked really hard for a year and saved up. And then she decided to to come here and do the master's for the year. And we would kind of, you know, see how it
1: goes. Our relationship continues to grow every day. And at least for my end, it's really interesting to see how, you know, your love and intimacy can evolve through various Stressors and situations, and being long distance and like not living together, just suddenly living together all the time during a pandemic, and how you can navigate that and like grow closer. And how I think we still have more things to learn about each other. Um, and I, I look forward to that.
2: I, I look, so I, I couldn't find a, a nicer, sweeter person. And when I introduced to my parents my mother has always told me that I should find an attractive doctor and I'm really angry that that she she's got her way (laughs) I'm like damn it how did that work um and my dad who is a a very gruff stoic Scotsman uh I I once said you know "Do, do you like her and he said oh what's not to like um and I was like well that's that's about right yeah I don't know anyone who doesn't like Sabib upon meeting her How can you not? You know, she's wonderful.
0: Equal Parts is produced by me, Maria Passingham, and the music came from Audio Network. If that romance seemed a little familiar to you, it might be because you saw Lindsay's viral Twitter thread on the subject in summer 2022. I was utterly charmed, like the other 140,000 people that liked the tweets. And while it may have been fate that led me to see it, or you know, algorithms, It was Lin's and Zabib's choice to share it with me in detail. So for that, I thank you both very much. Gina Stavro made a beautiful, cosy illustration to accompany today's episode. Go to equalpartspodcast.co.uk to have a look. You'll also find there the galleries for Seasons 1 and 2, and a transcript for each episode of Equal Parts. There's a link in the show notes too, if that's helpful. A lot of time and work has gone into making this show, both on my side and with all of the artists and guests featured over the years. Thank you all so much. And in particular, Fran Marchese, who created the Equal Parts logo and the gently evolving cover art for all three seasons. And thank you, listeners. Ultimately, it's you that I made this for, and I do appreciate your support. If you want to do more, you can rate and review and send a recommendation or an episode link to a friend you think would enjoy the stories. If you're now on the look for a new show, check the description of this episode. I've left some links to podcasts that might be up your street. If you want to keep up with what I'm making, you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is just Maria Passingham. Okay, I think that's it. Like any creative project life stage or well-told story, the ending is sad and joyful in equal parts.